ever find, the more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is 90.7 WXIN. Ninety point seven WXIN Stadium Experience. Jordan Moment here alongside me. We've been talking about oh, we've talked a lot of Celtics up at this point. Talking about a little bit of Bruins once again ruminated on the AAF just one last time. Possibly one last time. Who knows? Anyway, though, now we're going to move into once again back into more serious sports territory with our guests. Now we are joined by Alex Barth of CLNS Media. And how are you, Alex? I'm good, but why are you guys wasting time talking about the Celtics? Their season is over. They're oh, done. That, They're that, that was the point. No, it, it was mainly just me shedding tears and projecting all of my mean ex-girlfriends onto them. That's fair. I've been, we've all been there. That's fair. Yeah, no, it was it, it, it was rational. But anyway, so <laughs> Alex, it was very rational, I promise. Uh, Alex, so you published an article about eight days ago yeah. on, on April 30th, a way-too-early Patriots 53-man roster projection, and... Hey, I love this kind of stuff. And actually, the whole podcast about this yesterday with uh, Kenny Doyle, Jordan. Did you Our really good friend know? Kenny, yes. I went on his podcast. Check that out. But basically, oh. talking about the same stuff we're going to be talking about here. But So was, was there a sufficient Jake Bailey talk? Yes. But anyhow, so we're going to talk with you, Alex, now about the Patriots roster. You were going to come on last week, talk about the draft class. That didn't work out, which is okay. So now we can have you on to kind of talk about the whole roster instead, which was one important thing. One takeaway I did have and one takeaway I did try to... I make a pair. Was one thing I was asked was, "What's my grade on the Patriots offseason? And I eventually I did give a letter grade because it's part of the exercise. But right. I want to remind people that the offseason is. And I said this before the draft when a lot of people were mad about the lack of free agent spending, which I think was a fair thing, fine. But it's just the offseason is one huge collective unit. Roster building it doesn't stop even into the season, but at least especially with this team, but especially during the offseason because now we are entering what is the second, maybe third wave of free agency with now tomorrow, not officially today, but tomorrow, I believe, whenever at whatever time, signings no longer affect the compensatory pick formula, which, yep. Bill, which Bill Belichick has learned to master before anybody else did, and now other teams are kind of starting to pick it up, which is beginning to hurt the value of those picks, so now he'll probably find his next thing eventually. And get that for anybody else. But still, signings after tomorrow have no impact on your comp- compensatory picks, which is huge for the Patriots because I, I was looking at it and basically, like, they're basically guaranteed two more third, two more free third round picks next year with the loss of Trent Brown, with the loss of Trey Flowers because they did not replace them with anybody in free agency. But now they can start to bring in those middle of the roster depth type guys. And we've kind of already seen them begin that with yesterday, it came out that at least. That once it starts, they're going to agree to a deal with Jared Ved 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 Vadler. Vadler. Veldir. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Who is a decent enough depth tackle. And that's the point. Like now they, you know, it's just that the offseason is not over. They can still add players. Obviously, none of the guys they're going to add are going to be big name stars that you know. Or, I mean, probably that you know, that I know. That we know. I mean, I mean, not necessarily. There's still some, you know, A-list, draft, and Madden kind of names out there. I, I, I wouldn't pull the trigger on that too quick. 
I don't know if Ziggy Anza is a household name, but he was a first-round pick pretty recently. Mm-hmm. He had 14 sacks in the season. Mm-hmm. He's a pretty big name. And the other two that are probably a little more fringe, but certainly within the realm of possibility, I mean, Dominican Sue, yep. everybody knows who that guy is. Mm-hmm. And uh, Michael Crabtree and Des Bryant are also still out there. And whether any of those guys can give them anything it remains to be seen. But though, there are still quality names out there available. I don't think that, you know, certainly they're going to sign some guys here in the next week or two that are going to fall under the radar. But I wouldn't rule out a guy like Sue. I wouldn't rule out a guy like Crabtree. I certainly wouldn't rule out Anza. Um, they can still add some real talent, some, you know, potential first on the depth chart talent here in this third wave, like you called it. No, absolutely. And like you look at the roster and going to the draft, they had a lot of holes, but I was like very, like, especially this draft in particular, I'm like, listen, like they have, they have a billion picks in this draft. I, there has to be a plan in place because this draft is rich or at least appears to be rich because you never know, you know, Belichick's draft board. You never know anybody's draft board. So in the end, they might, they might hate a certain class at a certain position, but this is a, you know, seemingly there's a lot of guys at their positions of needs and, Post-draft, it feels like most there are some picks I just don't like, but a majority of the picks, they do address what were glaring holes on the roster. But, you know, they still do exist. I guess we'll start off, Alex, with, I mean, what do you think? Well, A, what do you think of the Patriots draft class as a whole? And B, post-draft, what do you see as still kind of their biggest roster? Because I can give you mine after you give me yours, but like, what do you see as their biggest, what do they still need, basically? Okay, um, I, I gave their draft a B plus. I, I really think they did an awesome job. They did. It, it, it's really a B plus. Kind of some personal stuff that it's not how I would have done it, but I don't think they made bad moves. Mm-hmm. I think every. I honestly think every pick was good. They certainly could have made better picks in spots, but I don't think there, there was no pick where I was like, "Oh, that's a bad pick." Yeah, no, I didn't I agree have that reaction once, which is the first time in a long time I can remember that. Even Jake Bailey and people are going to joke about him. Oh, we he don't. Has the potential to be a weapon. He really does. So, oh, with it, no, the way that I, I really love. Oh, before draft. before we get onto that, I think you like know you're dealing with Alex. We did our we did our mock draft show last week. We did a live mock draft, which by the way you're invited to next year. We did a live mock draft, and we Jordan Moment here was drafting for the Steelers. Did have Jake Bailey going in the first round, and we have reached out to him on Twitter to be a guest. So you do not have to worry about any Jake Bailey hate coming on this program. Yeah, they they okay. got him out of steel. No, I mean. So they had a good draft. Their biggest hole, right? honestly, right now to me, and this is super nitpicky, I'd just like to see them add a linebacker for depth, an experienced veteran mm-hmm. linebacker, because, you know, across the board, they, they have good talent there between Van Noy, Hightower, and Roberts. That's a solid three-linebacker unit. That's among the best in the league. I love that group. Then you have Juwan Benley, who could be a good player. We'll see. We saw him. He was good last year, but it was limited sample size. He's coming off a pretty serious injury. So let's see how quickly he gets back in the swing of things. But I certainly like what he can do. But then that's really it. They don't have much linebacker depth outside of that. They have Christian Sam, who we didn't get to see last year. Mm-hmm. He was a fifth-round pick. I think he's more of a special teams guy than anything else. Um, I'd like to see them have, like, a veteran linebacker. I thought they might have been in on Clay Matthews. I think if Clay Matthews had made it to the second wave, mm-hmm. they would have been all over him, but he wasn't worth giving up the pick for. Um, but a guy like that, a guy on bat- the back end of his career mm-hmm. – Still has something left in the tank. You can give a ring. Uh, I honestly thought they might have even been in on Burpin. So a guy like that, that kind of experienced depth linebacker, because you know Hightower's not going to play 16 games. No matter, He's just not. You don't know what you're getting with Bentley. Um, and, and Roberts, as big of a step as he took last year, he's had some injury issues One-dimensional too. player. I'd like to see some more. Right. I, I'd like to see some more depth at that position. That, to me, honestly, 
is the biggest hole right now. And I know you're probably going to tell me tight end. No. I how old you're how old? What, 1920? Yeah, I was born in about 1920. Yeah, you got that. Okay, so no, how old are you? Like 19 <laughs> years old, 20 21. years old. 21. All right. So you you sort of remember the the, the first uh playoff teams when tight the first Super Bowl teams that first time around when tight end was not a big position yeah. of influence no, for the absolutely. Patriots. No, I've been telling people that for that's a while. That's what we're going back to. No, that's been something that's, I... that's, that's what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. No, that's been something I... You don't replace Rob Gronkowski with the tight end. You replace him with better running backs and better wide receivers. No, absolutely. No, I've been telling people that. I've been telling people the same thing, that that is the number one thing to remember. They are not going to find... Now, I do feel like they still should add something at that position, but no, they are not going to find a Rob Gronkowski replacement. Those 80, right. 90, 100 targets are not going to come from the tight end position. And I've made this point to a lot of people. This has been the exact way I framed it, is that... After Randy Moss, well, after they got rid of Randy Moss, after you left, after they got rid of him, they did not then go, we are going to find our next big wide receiver. They understood that they did that because that was where the talent was. They ran the offense that way because they had Randy Moss, they had Wes Welker, and had a lot of talent in that wide receiver position. But then when they moved on and they found that we have a lot of talent now in the tight end position with Gronk, with Hernandez, we have to reformat our offense around that, and that's what they're going to do. Now they are seemingly they're looking to focus more on the running backs. Maybe they find something else at wide receiver, but either way, it then just becomes where is the talent on the offense and how do we reformat the way we do things. And for me, honestly, and this is also nitpicky because once again, I think that once again, I think I should add something to tight end, but you know, they seemingly they're not going to replace Gronk, so I'm not going to harp about it. I do think that maybe they could use some interior D line depth. I like. Lawrence Guy, I like the Mike Pinnell signing a lot. I think he's probably like the the one true like nose tackle on this team. I think that might be a guy who goes down. And even Adam Butler might be due for an expanded role. But I, I'm not even talking bringing the Dominican Sue because that's a little too rich. And I don't know if he perfectly matches what they do. But just, I don't know, bringing like somebody else in there. Maybe like a Corey L- Leggett. Leg- so don't, don't sleep on David Perry. The former Indianapolis Colt. They brought him in. This okay. They actually brought him in in a futures contract during the playoffs last year. Okay. I I think he's a better player than he's been given credit for. I think he was put in a lot of bad defensive systems. I mean, obviously he played for the Colts, but I and like the you know mid two thousand early to mid two thousands Colts. Yes. I think he he's a guy who's been put in bad situations and been asked to do too much. He's not going to be a Pro Bowler. He's not going to be an All Pro. But I think in the context of the Patriots defense. He could actually be a really interesting piece next to a guy like Pinnell or even, mm-hmm. you know, dare I – and I got ripped for this last week, but dare I go as far and say instead of Pinnell because I think they're going to be somewhat comparable and it's going to be a million and a half cheaper to keep Perry than okay. Pinnell. I don't necessarily know that that's what happens, but whether it's – Pinnell aside, you want to talk about depth on the defensive interior, David Perry's a guy I'm going to have my eye on in training camp. I think he could surprise a lot of fans. He's kind of in a similar spot that Alan Branch was in, and he's not a midseason acquisition, but Alan Branch was a guy who showed flashes but really was asked to do too much, was not a good system fit where he was playing, came to New England and played that nose tackle role very well for a couple of seasons. I don't know that, that Perry's at that level, but I think he's a guy who can contribute this year. I think he's a guy that okay. they'll, they'll be able to count on. So no, listen, don't it's... sleep on that name. But certainly adding another defensive tackle. You can never have enough either side of the ball. You can never have enough linemen. Going yeah. into camp. So it's a very good point. 
No, I mean, I did look at your, once again, looking at your roster projections, one thing you just have, you you had uh, seven D ta- DNs making the roster. The one thing I'm looking at it, you have actually, you have Byron Cowart, the draft pick, listed as a DN, not a D tackle. So that's interesting. I mean, obviously, they. I mean, what do you think of the versatility they have in those DNs? Because it seems like at least half these guys kind of can move around the whole line. I mean, Michael Bennett's played on the inside of his career. Looks like Chase Winovich, who well, might be my favorite draft pick of them, obviously. He feels like a guy who can go inside. I don't really remember how much Dietrich Wise has gone inside, but otherwise... Well, I can't, but if, I mean, if you want to list those guys, Kamalu's somebody who can play in pass-rushing situations um, on the inside. Coward, to me, is actually the most interesting pick of the entire draft. He's almost a case study. You have a guy that uh, he was the number one recruit in high school yep. his, his, his year, his year coming out, and he was playing at 250. And if you go back and watch his high school tape, and I'll put the disclaimer on this because it's high school tape, sure, he's not playing the same level of talent, but he's playing in the toughest division in Florida high school football. He's playing, you know, he's not playing in Massachusetts. Let's put it that way. Um, He's at playing at 250 pounds as a stand-up outside linebacker, flying off the edge, impeccable footwork, impeccable first step, getting to the quarterback, chasing down running backs from behind. I mean, he's just awesome. And when he got to Auburn, and he's admitted since that going to Auburn was a mistake and he should not have chosen Auburn. When he got to Auburn, they actually had him put on weight. And he goes to Auburn and shows up as a freshman at 277 pounds, so almost 30 pounds over what he was playing in high school. And now he's a hand-down defensive end, and he's not quite as quick. He's had some more strength, but he's not quite as quick. He doesn't have that same chase-down speed. He's not quite as agile. His swim move has lost a step, and he's not the same player. And then he transfers out and goes to Maryland and shows up as a 290-pound defensive tackle, and he's not remotely the player he was in high school. He is a pass rush defensive tackle. He doesn't have the footwork he had. He doesn't have the swim move he had. He's a completely different player. And I talked to a uh, coach, a, a, a coach from a big-time Florida football uh, college program, uh, Florida State, I have to say that for the story, um, and Bruce Bowen, who was a top-ten pick right to the Panthers. Bruce Bowen was in the same class as Coward, and Florida State actually considered going the same route and having Bowen put the weight on and turning him into a defensive end. They didn't. Bowen went top ten. Coward went, what, in the fifth round? So the Patriots have an interesting crossroads here. You're not going to get Coward back to 250 pounds for nine. At 290, do they have him put 10 pounds on and kind of teach him to be Adam Butler, teach him to be a pass rush specialist defensive tackle, or do they see if they can get him back down into the 270 range and see if they can turn him back into that? If they can get him playing at 270 pounds as a speed rush defensive end, that's a really intriguing prospect. To me, Coward might have more ceiling than anybody in the Patriots draft, but unlike a guy like Nikhil Harry, where that ceiling's just going to happen with experience and growth and maturity, they're going to have to work with Coward to bring it out of him. I think they go the path of getting him back down to around 270, 275 and turning him into a defensive end. That's why I had him there. They can go either way. There's no wrong answer. He just, to me, is a fascinating case. Um, of a football player and kind of the, the trajectory of his career. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens with him and what they do with him in camp. So I know that's a long answer to a short question, but I just think, you know, for the, the nitty-gritty football people, he's going to be so much fun to watch and see what happens with him. Hmm. No, it is interesting. That is why I have him as a defensive end. 
no, that's all. That's all fast, and that's why we bring the people. That's why we get the experts on the show, Alex. But no, I mean, one thing I, I am. Mean, look, expert, sorry. Yeah. Another thing that just. <laughs> another thing that they're doing though that is kind of interesting to me, and something I don't know if it's concerning, but it's something to note is that it does feel like they're kind of relying because obviously they did not get a lot of their draft class last year beyond. Sony Michelle, and other than that, a lot of guys got hurt. A lot of guys didn't really contribute at all. It seems like they're kind of relying on, which, I mean, they should be doing because it's a whole draft class, but this seemed like there's going to be a lot of reliance for this team on players that they brought in last year. Like, I think of Braxton Berrios. I think that guy is the main reason that they didn't wind up taking another receiver during the draft, which I kind of wanted to see them do, but seemingly that's a vote of confidence in him. I believe you actually tweeted something about that, to my knowledge. Um, Duke. Yeah, I mean, I think Barrio's a hell of a player, and not just as a receiver, as a kick returner. I mean, they brought in Ellington. They brought in Maurice Harris. I still think that it's it's with between the kick return ability and the slot ability, it's Barrio's job to lose. I'm actually very high on him going into training camp. Now, he could have a bad camp, and I could be wrong. It's very possible. But, yeah, I, I think he's a huge reason. He is the, the guy from that draft class that they're looking at stepping in and making a difference. No, it seems like there are a lot of guys that are seeming like, you know, I want to see them take a safety. Seems like they're going to be trying to use Duke Dawson as kind of that developmental safety role. That's something I, at least I've talked about a lot right. here. You know, Juwan Bentley, Christian Sam, two linebackers. I actually think that's it. But and Oh, and then, of course, the biggest one, of course, is... Isaiah Wynn, it seems like they are relying a lot on not only this year's draft class, but last year's draft class. I mean, conceivably, they're going to have, you know, 12, 13, 14 players, you know, getting their first real NFL experience that year. And I mean, this team for at least the last couple of years, they've kind of transitioned away from really putting young players in draft picks in big roles. They've kind of moved towards utilizing more veterans than maybe they have in the past. But, I mean, is this is this a deliberate change in approach by the team? I mean, it's deliberate because it's necessary. You have to have guys on rookie contracts contributing on your roster in the modern NFL. It's just the nature of what it is. With the salary cap, right, you had uh, – mm-hmm. um, uh, not wise. You had Flowers on his rookie contract. You had Brown on what was essentially rookie contract. You have to have guys at that pay scale contribute. The Patriots haven't had their base because they're mostly depth guys, but that might be the case again this year. I mean, of the guys you named outside of Isaiah Wynn, mm-hmm. Isaiah Wynn is certainly a major question mark, but they sign a guy like, like Veldeer, and it negates that a bit. But Benley and Sam, certainly, they're going to be counting on them, but in a reserve role. You know, if, if those guys are playing 80% of snaps a game, something's gone wrong. And at that point, you know, you're not going to have a great option no matter what if things go wrong. Braxton Berrios, they may recount on in a turn kicks. How much is he going to play as a wide receiver? Again, if everything works out, not that much. Um, these guys are all going to contribute, but they're going to contribute on special teams and in, 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 in a depth role. And that's the way to do it because in two or three years, when you need them to contribute as first stringers, they have some experience. This doesn't concern me as, at all. And look, people – Let's say they have two injuries at linebacker, and all of a sudden Christian, Sam, and Juwan Bentley are starting and playing 80%, 90% of snaps a game. People are going to say, why weren't they more prepared at linebacker? Why, at this point, you look at who's out there. Why are you going to bring in a guy you have to pay 5 or $6 million a year when you have these two guys who probably will give you just as much on rookie contracts? I, it is, there is certainly more of a, a youth presence on the team, but what did we talk about last year going into camp? 
this team was too old. This was their last chance. You know, they're they're going to fall apart at the end of this. And now they're too young all of a sudden, a year young, a year later. Well, I wouldn't say it too young. I'm just, I'm just more noting it more than anything. Because I actually have complained no, about no, the fact. No, and I don't mean to attack you with that. No, no I don't no, mean to no, attack no, you with that, but that's, that's the narrative I see. No, see, they're this this I prefer. I mean, this time last year. Because it feels like. Right. Well, th- no. You, want, you know what? They're neither. They were neither last year, and they were neither this year. They have a mix, because that's how you build a roster. Because for the 20th year in a row, Bill Belichick is a million times better at this than anybody else who's doing it. And you have teams that, okay, we're going to focus on youth and build towards the future. And then you have teams that say, let's acquire veterans and have an experienced football team that, that's really motivated to win. You can do both. And 31 other NFL teams seem to not understand that. And that's what Belichick is doing. And people want to want to pigeonhole him into having a young team or an old team because that's just how you look at the modern NFL. But like so many things with Bill Belichick, you can't look at what he's doing in the context of what every NFL team is doing because he's doing it completely differently and he's doing it so much better. I guess that does kind of bring me. No, I agree. And that does kind of bring me kind of, I guess, uh, not not necessarily the wrap up, but I guess just like overall compared to where they were this time. This is, this is another thing I was asked about myself yesterday is do you feel like over the course of this so far, over the course of this free agency period, over the course of this offseason, you know, do you feel like this team has gotten do you feel like they're better than where they were or do you feel like at least at the moment the team's maybe taking a slight step back in terms of talent? Where they were at the end of last season or where they were at this time last year? At the end of this season. At the end of the previous season. Kind of just like, you know, where they are compared to like... I mean, yeah, I think there's naturally a little step back because there's a question mark at the left tackle position, which is an important position, but, you know... That's natural going into trading mm-hmm. camp. You're going to have questions. Mm-hmm. I don't think any team, even I, I'll even take the Cleveland Browns. This is an extreme example. I don't think the Cleveland Browns are better right now than they were when they played their game at the end of last season because you, you have to build with it. You have to learn as a group. You have to put things together. They have a coach who's entering his first full season. They have a lot of new pieces they're going to have to put together. Yeah, the Patriots are probably a little worse off right now than they were February of 2019, but that's just the nature of football. Mm-hmm. That's just the way things are. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna hold that against them. Um, I think where they were at this point last year, I think they're in a relatively similar spot. They got a big rookie class coming in that they're expecting contributions from. They've got a question mark at the left tackle. They don't have a defensive coordinator. I mean, those are kind of the three knocks on the team right now. This year, though, I'm and happy they that they don't have a defensive coordinator. Oh, yeah, no, I, I think they dodged a bullet with Shiano. Absolutely. No, they're, they're going to take a step back from Flores. I love Brian Flores. Yeah. I think it sucks that they lost him. Yeah. Um, I would have loved to have seen him back. But they're, they're going to need to figure that out. But Belichick is the defensive genius he is. Um, the only real issue they're facing right now that they weren't facing at this time last year is Tom Brady's contract extension. But that'll get done. I'm not worried about it. They, they just need to figure it out, but they will. So, no, they're, they're in a very good spot right now. I, I would say they're just about where they were at this mm-hmm. time last year. I don't think it's fair to compare them to the team that, that walked off the field champions in Atlanta because that team had been together for nine months. This team has been together for a little over nine days. So I, I think that that's kind of a tough comparison to make, but they're not, they're not in some massive backslide from where they were last year. 
No, I can agree with that. I mean, even like if I am to just look, try to look at it evenly, I mean, like there are some positions where maybe they took a minor, minor step back, but even then, like the big ones, I feel like they're insulated against the loss it's of Trent just Brown. No, and even then, like, I feel like... Yeah, I even, I even think at defensive end, they're all right. To me, it's just left tackle, because that's a pretty serious injury win had. You don't know what he's going to look like. Oh, absolutely. But even then, like, I feel like, you know, I, I really, really like the Yanni Kajus pick. I love that pick. Like, they brought in Veldadir, yeah. which I wasn't sure they were going to do. I was kind of almost against them bringing in another veteran tackle, just because I... Rather than let the young guys develop. But honestly, like... With Marcus Cannon, you never know. So even though, like I feel like they're at least insulated at left tackle. And then DN, like, I think Trey Flowers is probably a slightly better player than Michael Bennett. But I think that they're good at different things. Like I you know, I feel like overall, like they definitely they have the, the team overall, I think, has a similar talent level. Or even a like I think yeah. like you know, like like a Nikhil Harry, that's an upgrade over like Chris Hogan. You know, like Dorset. Well, that's it, it, careful how you do that. That's not the replacement for Chris Hogan. No, I know, but it's like in terms for Josh Gordon. Um, I mean, I kind of feel like they were going to put. Well, yeah, I suppose either way, but the like overall, no, I do feel like the talent level is pretty evenly there. And yeah, like this was probably my favorite, the most, the most I've enjoyed watching a draft class because honestly, like, the last couple of years, I kind of felt like the drafting was kind of slipping from Bill Belichick. So it's good to see a draft that I am over happy with and i mean otherwise i mean do you have any closing thoughts for the good people of providence alex uh make sure you follow at patriot clns on twitter check out clnsmedia.com um and uh sorry about the paw socks i know that's paw talk it but yeah. oh, well. everything in rhode island's close to everything that's the beauty of rhode island those are the rules all right well thank you for coming on alex you're welcome anytime on the show Anytime you guys want to have me. Sorry again about last week. No uh, problem. Hopefully I'll be more flexible in the future. <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming on, Alex. Anytime. All right. That was Alex Barth, once again, of CLNS Media. And uh, he was talking about your Browns a little bit there, Jordan. I know. But, no, I mean, like I said, I, I agree with that. So, like I said, we will be putting that online. Once again, I know he plugged himself, but check him out at Real Alex Barth on Twitter. It's the real him. It's the real hey man. Hey, I, he's not. I don't believe he's verified, but hey, you know I I I will endorse it as the real him because I've gotten DMs from that account, and I believe that was the real Alex Barth. Are you going to change your your Twitter to the the real Jake Elmsley? No, I don't think you can change it. It's just my full name. I don't. I, I I'll be verified one day. I don't need it. Oh, I'll I'll be a very probably get verified now. Honestly, no, it's hard to get verified on Twitter. Yeah. Oh yeah. On Instagram, it's just like you gotta like send in your, like your license or something. On uh, Twitter, they just verify like the journalists to fight back the tide of the fake news. But anyway, though, with all that out of the way, you have been listening to the Stadium Experience with your host Jake Elmsley on ninety point seven WXIN. Once again, thank you to Alex. Thank you Jordan for coming in today and just kind of letting me express my sorrow, mm-hmm. my deep personal sorrows. I felt your suffering. Anyway, you've been listening to the Stadium Experience. We will be back next week, Wednesday, 4 to 6 p.m. We'll be talking about a real sports team in the Boston Bruins more, hopefully. Who knows what else we'll be talking about? Maybe the Patriots will make some fun depth signings that I'll overanalyze. We'll see. But anyway, I will be here. I hope you are as well. Have a lovely week, and I will see you all next time.